This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com, where we believe nothing but consider everything. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making this program possible. Tonight's special guest is Veritas veteran Stan Romanek. Stan will discuss one of the most documented extraterrestrial stories of all time. If you haven't listened to our first interview, I highly suggest that you do so as we are continuing what we started in 2009. Stan Romanek will be with us shortly. To listen to the full interview, just go to veritasradio.com and subscribe. You'll receive your login immediately and we'll have access to all of our material. And don't forget, buy MMS directly from us. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And it's so inexpensive too. And also, in the Veritas store, purchase our futuristic 8GB metal-cased USB drive, including Seasons 1, 2, or 3. And if you will be at the 2012 International UFO Congress, here's my chance to meet you. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope to meet even more people than I did last year. Visit the banner on our website for more information. And to get in touch with me, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. Tonight, we will continue to discuss one of the world's most documented extraterrestrial contact stories. 
When Stan Romanek talks about his experiences, he brings more than his whole life with him. He also brings the concealed story of our inseparable connection with extraterrestrial beings and celestial guides. He will share with us why oneness is the only true reality. As a species, humans have forgotten who we are and where we are going. It is now our time to awaken. He will reveal the story of probable futures and how our planet is inextricably connected to the evolution of our galaxy. His message pulls life as we know it down to the quantum level. And if you're open-minded enough, allow your everyday beliefs to unfold into inner and outer spaces of interminable beauty and possibility. For this and much more, Stan Romanek is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Swanson, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. The Stan Romanek case is an amazing, scientifically documented human extraterrestrial encounters case. Stan Romanek, international best-selling author, may be the world's most documented extraterrestrial contactee. The multitude of unexplainable events involving Stan Romanek and hundreds of witnesses continue on a near-monthly basis. The sheer volume of trace, video, and photographic evidence is astounding. This ongoing mystery continues to become more complex with each twist and turn. Aside from any individual interpretations or opinions about these experiences, there is much more for humanity to learn on these very important matters. Stan Romanek's case has created a stir in the scientific and UFO communities. This is an amazing look into a mind-bending and real abduction case. And directly from the beautiful state of Colorado, I would like to welcome Stan Romanek back to Veritas. Hello, Stan, and welcome back. How are you? Hello. Thank you for having me back on. I'm excited. It's my pleasure. Stan, I always see you at the conferences, but I, as I said before, we needed to reconnect once again because Absolutely. I really don't know of that many cases that are so fluid in terms of changing so much. Every time I see you, you have something new to tell us. And, and as I said last time, I converged with our mutual friend, uh, Dr. Uh, Claude Swanson. Dr. Claude Swanson. And he was telling me that he validated the, the, the formulas and the, and the math equations that you wrote while sleeping. Can we start from there? Because this is an area that a lot of people don't know about. Sure, sure. Well, um, when my experiences first started, I, you know, I really was having a hard time with it. Um, in fact, so much so that 
um, the people involved in my case suggested that I get hypnotic regression. And so not knowing really what that was, I kind of half-heartedly agreed to it. And it started during um, my first regression. Um, I remember the hypnotherapist asking me if I remembered anything. And I said, yeah, I've got these weird symbols in my head. And um, she gave me a pad of paper and said, can you write them down? And I agreed. And um, within a matter of just, you know, 10, 20 seconds, I wrote this uh, page, this long, uh, you know, this long string of equations on this huge page. And thinking I was just going off the deep end, I, I actually started falling apart. You know, I was writing gibberish. I didn't know what it me- meant. And um, people need to understand I come into this extremely dyslexic. I, If I'm lucky, I have maybe a fifth grade math level. I'm embarrassed to say I have to <laughs> ask my stepkids to get help doing even long division, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, that's a product of having a learning disability and going to Denver public schools. But um, oddly enough, when I came out of the regression, I remember the hypnotherapist was just staring at me with her jaw dropped. And I, I, she goes, I think it's, I think this needs to be looked at. And she sent it to a gentleman by the name of Dr. Jack Kasher at the University of Nebraska. And sure enough, uh, the first equations I wrote, one of which was a, an electron structure for an element that didn't exist at the time. We didn't even have the, um, the equation for it. And apparently I did. Interestingly enough, two years later, somebody sent me a new newspaper clipping, uh, clipping um, explaining that some Russian, I think German scientists actually finally invented that that uh, um, element, which ended up being element 115. And if anybody knows anything about the Bob Lazar story, um, you know he talks about that also. So then, um, from that point, uh, I woke up one morning and I had a piece of paper laying in the bed with next to me or with me, and some pens and paper, uh, uh, blank papers laying on the ground next to the bed. And in my handwriting was an even longer equation, um, and eventually just kind of morphed from there. People actually watched my wife woke up and watched me. Well, heard me talking to somebody that wasn't there and watched me actually write equations in my sleep. Friends watched me do it. Other regressions, I wrote equations and the other regressions, and it just went just went nuts. And how, how was it that you converged with uh, Dr. Swanson and, 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 and the fact that he's now validating these equations as well? Well, you know, a lot of uh, physicists had come and gone. Um, some of these equations are known, I found out, and some of them aren't. Um, Dr. Claude Swanson just kind of happened along. I met him through either one of the talks I did or one of the friends I knew. I don't really remember. But um, he heard about my story and, you know, was interested because, you know, Dr. Claude Swanson is one of the top physicists in the world. Mm-hmm. And... um he uh, was real interested in, you know, kind of the paranormal and the unusual. So we just kind of got involved that way. And he was pretty dumbfounded by the equations. And he realized that these equations are kind of pointing towards, um, you know, bending space-time, zero-point energy, and, you know, the fact that uh, gravity has an electromagnetic property to it, which 
in the science community, there's a big argument about that. But Well, I've had a conversation with Dr. Paul Laviolette, and he explains this. He actually proposed electrogravitics in electrifying the wings of commercial airliners and even NASA, and they seem to want to ignore them because this could go against the established powers, meaning the, the oil industry. So absolutely, you may be onto something there. But who do you think was providing this information to you? You know, the only thing I can think of would be, you know, what happened during my experiences, during my abduction experiences. And I remember, you know, for lack of a better word, being downloaded. And that's pretty typical of the abduction phenomenon when you get taken. And now, let me back up a little bit. My my case is not typical in the fact that a lot of cases out there, they talk about, you know, being woken up um, and or having, you know, these experiences while they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. And if you watch TV at all, they always talk about this thing called sleep paralysis. Well, if you do any research, you realize that sleep paralysis is actually fairly rare. It's just an excuse they like to use. And my experience, my first experience especially, happened when I was fully awake. I remembered everything. My brain couldn't handle it, so I tried to convince myself it was a dream when it wasn't. Mm -hmm. But I remember, you know, during these experiences, they stick stuff in my head, for lack of a better explanation. And that's when it started coming out. And... In the past two years, you've shown a lot of footage, uh, pictures regarding progeny, kids. You say that you've met a few of them. Tell us more about this. I have. um, It started in um, during a book party. I I became a bestselling author. My wife threw me a a party during this um, uh, uh, because of this event. And during this party, it was uh, late at night. Well, not real late. It was about nine, nine thirty at night. It was raining outside, and uh, on our on our street, we don't have any porch lights on our street. Um, people just use the their, um, I mean, street lights on their on their street. We just use our porch lights. Mm-hmm. And I was looking out the window, and at the uh, end of our driveway, I saw a little girl just standing there, and. I'm thinking, while it's raining, she's sopping wet, and what parent in their right mind would allow a child this young to be out this late at night? Not only that, I noticed she was wearing a gray jumpsuit, which in and of itself was really bizarre. Hmm. Well, I went out, and I wanted to see what she wanted, and she ran away. And other people had seen her, and, um, you know, they said, just stand, just leave her alone. She's probably the neighbor kid, and that's what I thought at first. Well, I was talking about it, and sure enough, she came back, and there she was, standing, looking at me, you know, um, as I was looking at her out the window. And I went outside, and um, one of my friends, uh, who happens to be ex-Naval Intelligence, he's one of the head researchers involved in my case, um, followed me, and um, I didn't have a flashlight, so I just grabbed my camera. I was using the flash of the camera to see where I was going, and this little girl ran away. Well, luckily, um, I got a picture of her popping her head out from behind a tree, and I was uh, so shocked at the picture, I didn't think of running after her when she ran away. And my friend came up behind me, and he said, you know, Stan, what's what's going on? I couldn't answer. I was so shocked by this picture, I couldn't answer. 
And eventually I just kind of held up the camera. He goes, oh, my God. He goes, you have to show people this. Um, so we went back inside, and by this time there were about, oh, 12 to 18 people left, I think. And we were, you know, I showed them the picture. One of them was Dr. Claude Swanson mm-hmm. among uh, some of the other researchers. And it was as if uh, an angel, as if love was um, kind of emanating from this picture. It was so moving, actually, people started to cry, including, you know, Dr. Claude Swanson was one of them. And um, they were saying, Stan, go, we got to see this bigger, you know, because I was showing them on the, on the camera. They said, go put it on the computer. So um, Alejandro Rojas was uh, another one of the researchers involved in my case, and he kind of followed me down the steps. And right as I got to the bottom of the steps toward my office, the camera went beep, and the picture vanished. Hmm. And everybody's yelling, oh, no, Stan, what'd you do? I didn't do anything. It just vanished. Well, we were all freaking out by this point and upset that the picture disappeared. And within two minutes, I got a phone call and my stepdaughter handed me the phone and it was a little girl's voice saying, Daddy, don't worry, I love you and I'll get to see you again sometime. <sighs> and I got to tell you, I, you know, I have a daughter of my own, a, a real daughter of my own. Well, this one's real too, but um, I fell apart. I just started bawling and um then after that it you know more bizarre stuff continued we had come back uh, one incident one incident incident happened when we had come back from a talk and um i had uh i was cleaning out um a cooler a plastic cooler and i had it sitting on the back deck and i noticed the cats were kind of playing around it and I went out to take pictures, and this little girl stood up from behind the grill um, that was on the back deck. And I noticed she had flowers in her hand, and I noticed she had the flowers that my wife had planted in our yard. She was picking some of the flowers in our backyard. It's like, oh, no, the neighbor kids are going to get so busted, you know, picking my flowers. Mm-hmm. So I started kind of moving towards her, and she ran out of the gate and dropped some of the flowers and just vanished, just completely vanished. And, um, you know, I talked to my wife about it, kind of blew it off after that, thinking it was a neighbor kid until, um, like an hour later, one of the, one of our friends came over and knocked on the door. He goes, Stan, who left you flowers on your doorstep? Hmm. Well, those same flowers that little girl picked, um, was made into like a tight little cute little bouquet and left on our doorstep. And as we went through the picture, sure enough, I got, um, you could see this little girl looking through the slats of the deck, kind of hiding behind the grill. Yeah, I did see that so picture. I, I did see that picture. It, was she the same as as the other, or is there is there more than one? No, d- different. There's more than one. Then we had another. Right after that, it's weird because my camera stopped working, so I had to buy a new camera, and we had some friends over, and we're messing around with the, with this new camera. It had a really cool feature where it kind of framed your face, and you know. You could see it on the, the, the view screen of the camera. Mm-hmm. We were just messing around taking pictures. And again, it was nighttime. And I noticed movement out of one of those front windows. And I looked and this little girl stood up and ran away. It's like, oh, my goodness. Well, we went barreling out this door. And everybody saw this little girl um, run into the next yard. Now, the, the the house next to us was vacant. And she, you know, took off into the neighbor's backyard, and we followed suit, and when we got back there, nothing. She was gone. Well, we noticed that she left a footprint um, right in the flower garden right 
being underneath that window. So we got a cast of that. What's interesting is um, right by where she stepped, the flower she uh, stepped closest to stayed alive all the way through winter. Even though they were froze solid, they were still blooming. Hmm. It's the craziest thing. What, what do you think? Uh, first of all, my question is, how is it that they're coming to visit you? How are they disappearing? Where do they live? Have you had more communication with them? Um, you know, I, I, I realized, I mean, at first I thought this was some kind of joke, no. but um, I was talking to a friend of mine named Heidi Sudani, a very close friend of the family's. Um, we were talking on the phone, and suddenly the phone call was interrupted by a little girl's voice. And we were scrambling to get a tape recorder, and she ended up, uh, our friend Heidi ended up using her tape recorder because it was in the drawer right next to her. And this little girl said, you know, sorry to bother you. Um, you know, basically she wanted to warn me about a conference that I was going to, to do. And then she started telling us that there are, there are nine children all together. There are seven of the same, seven from the same, and two, each one from different, which means there are seven from one and one from one and one from another. And From meaning? That, when you say from meaning? Well, every time I've been taken, pretty much every time, there's always a woman there with me. Mm. Always. It was by chance that I met... Um, this one particular woman that I'd seen up there all the time at one of my talks. And I couldn't remember where I met her from, and for some reason I started having anxiety attacks about it. And then it dawned on me who she was, and I got to tell you, I really, really kind of flipped a lid over this. And, um, you know, we talked about it, and I went up and approached her and started talking, and sure enough, it ended up being the woman that I thought it was. What um, I didn't realize that um, this, her name is Victoria Albright, and what um, I also remember during, uh, we had an excursion up to a cabin, and Heidi came with us, and we all had experiences up at this cabin. Um, Heidi was taken with me during one of those experiences. And so what I found out was Victoria had seven children um, that involved me. Heidi had one child that involved me, and my my wife had one child that involved me. So there's three women all together, and for whatever reason, they need a male and a female um, to make these hybrid kids for whatever reason. I'm not sure why. But these children started coming to visit us, and there were there was evidence, and there were pictures, and there were you know, tons of other witnesses. Well, um, after this phone call, we got another phone call um, about a conference called the Aztec UFO Conference, mm -hmm. and they told us they, they were going to show up there. And sure enough, they did. And that's probably one of the most impressive, some of the most impressive evidence I have, because number one, it was this conference was held at a, at a Mason's Lodge, even the head mason of this uh, lodge saw these hybrid kids. We got pictures of them, and, you know, there were witness reports, and one of the children actually sat down and talked to some of the witnesses. So so basically, they're using a male, meaning you, your sperm, and the egg of somebody else. 
Exactly. And you got to meet the other person. When they take you, do they essentially remove your sperm or they do what I've spoken to other abductees where they actually create a hologram of, of, of uh, let's say, I hope Lisa's not around and she doesn't get offended by this question. But no, uh, no, they've never done the hologram thing. You know, I've had experiences that seem to be involved uh, with the other woman, but, um, you know, mostly it's surgical stuff. Mm. Mostly it's like an ex extraction stuff. And it's not, to be honest, it's not very comfortable. The only way I can explain it, it's like, being cattle prodded. That's right. That's that. That makes sense. And these children that seldomly come to to see you, what is the purpose of of them coming to see you in just a you know short spurts of the moment like that? I think it's just to maybe they're trying to figure out where their place is. Maybe they're trying to figure out where they come from. You know, maybe. From what I understand, they're here to help. That's, you know, without trying to sound absolutely off the wall, that's kind of what we've learned. There's People need to understand, number one, there is stuff out there. There are UFOs, there are ETs, but what they also need to understand is there's different things out there. Right. In these different things, and there's good and bad up there, just like there's good and bad here. Good. I'm glad you're saying that. And there's there's different things with different agendas. Some, you know, they don't care about us. Some they do. Some they want to use us. Some they don't. You know, some want to help. So that being said, um, you know, you talk to people that have absolutely horrific experiences. My experiences, I've had two of them that were horrific, and I think they were government. Um, but my experiences, all in all, seem to be very polite, even though they do take you against your will They go out of their way not to hurt me. They, in fact, they fixed, um, I had a torn interior cruciate ligament, and they fixed it. And yeah. I had to go to the doctor and explain why I didn't need surgery, and they couldn't explain how it was possible that I suddenly got fixed. They couldn't explain it. Yeah, we discussed that uh, over two years ago. Did you ever go back to the doctor and, and provided evidence that you were completely fixed? Oh, yeah, they had the evidence that I was fixed. And um, so, yeah, you know... It's still one of those amazing, they said it was some kind of miraculous thing, so. And is it one type of, I'm just got to use the term that we know, extraterrestrial rays, or have you had experiences with, with multiple ones? I've had experiences, and I can't, how do I explain this? It seems like there's different levels of existence, some more advanced than us for sure, some even more spiritually advanced than us, some at such high levels they probably don't even have physical forms. Mm. I've experienced multiple things. I've seen things, um, there are three beings, maybe four that I, that I can remember, and I remember seeing them all together at one point, like they were working together. And, you know, you hear this a lot from, you know, the real abduction cases. You hear this a lot. You'll see, like, humanoids, people that look more human, you know, with the small little grays or the mantis or whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just proves to me that there's multiple things out there. Your children, has it ever occurred to you that they may, may be perfecting 
the human race or, or, or perhaps mixing their DNA with ours in a way to come here to Earth for purposes that we may not be aware of. In other words, trying to prepare them, terraform the Earth. You know, I think of chemtrails. I think of many things that we are not told. And it makes you wonder if another race is watching. We're oh, not taking care of our planet. Yeah, absolutely. And you know where I'm coming from. I, I, I do. And I think about that all the time. Could this be for sinister, sinister motives? Could yes. Could it be for, you know, what motives could it be for? Honestly, I don't believe, at least in my case, it is. Um, see, this is the thing. This is what I've learned through my experiences. And um, I just recently saw um, on the news, have you ever heard of the uh, the Human Genome Project? Oh, sure. Had come forward about something. Um, human, this is going to be the hardest thing, I think, for the human race to accept is the fact that we are the hybrids. Humans... Only part of us really come from this planet. You know, that's why they can't ever find the missing link. Right. You know, they first, they thought it was a Cro-Magnon man, and then they found out Cro-Magnon man is just an uh, offshoot of something, and that humans actually existed with Cro-Magnon man. And they can't figure out how we could have possibly evolved so quickly in such a short amount of time. While the Human Genome Project, uh, and I've got the clip from, I think it was uh, CNN or something like that, came out and admitted that our, a lot of our DNA is not even it belongs on this planet. It's alien DNA. And, you know, if people don't believe me, they could look it up themselves. It's all, it was all over the news for a while and then just kind of vanished. Yeah, for those who say and, that we come from ape, why are apes still having apes? Yeah, you know, see, that's the thing. So, you know, what's really going on here? I honestly believe we were designed and for whatever reason, and it's not just about evolution. I mean, some of it might be, but really we had some help. And then the uh, Human Genome Project is proving it. And so, you know, that being said, you know, even the Vatican a couple years ago, I always tell people this came out, and you know about that, everybody knows about that by now, but I remember listening to a, a talk with Monsignor Belducci and mm -hmm. Paula Harris, and he kind of mentioned something about... You know, that there's some of them that are here to help and some of them that aren't, so. Well, when you mention the human genome, you probably know this, that 20% of the human genome is patented by private companies. Do you know that? Wow, I didn't know that. How could they patent something yeah, like that's, that? That's the question. Why? And it's probably because if they were to create certain medicines that address certain portions of our DNA, they would have exclusivity to treat it. So the privatization of medicine has gone this far. So when you hear of the Human, human Genome Project, find out what companies are, are subsidizing it, and, and you'll know that there may be a sinister uh, purpose for it, but that, that's a different topic. And sometimes I wonder if, if an extraterrestrial force may have had some interaction with them and for what, and if it's a sinister, sinister purpose. But you also wrote... A couple of books, and even even Lisa, your wife, wrote a couple of books. I don't have the books with me, but I'd like to, uh, uh, if you'd like, talk about them. Uh, you have Answers, we have you have the Orion Regression, and you have Lisa's book, From My Side of the Bed. Do you want to give us some summaries of, of the books? Sure, sure. Well, um, 
my first book, Messages, pretty much talks about my experiences and, you know, being, um, um, you know, uh, connected to the military through my father. Um, Answers talks about what I've learned. It gives you answers. Mm -hmm. And not only that, it kind of elaborates on some of the things, um, you know, questions people have in general. And, you know, it's it's much more, I found out it's much more than um, being visited by extraterrestrials. There literally is a war going on up there and down here. And it's about a timeline war. It's about something screwed up our timeline and there is something trying to control us and the the good guys who whoever they may be see this and you know maybe even all the way up to the angelic angelic realms which that's what we call it but the higher realms you know they they um understand that there's something going on and we're getting it seems like we're getting nudged in the correct direction so without giving the book uh, away, um, you know, it really is about the human race and the human race not knowing who they really are. Um, for instance, uh, there was a, uh, a project done, um, I forgot, it was Harvard or Princeton or one of those, came up to, uh, you know, the governor of, uh, or, or somebody in Washington, D.C. and said, hey, look, we have this this experiment we want to do. We are going to have a certain amount of people, and we're going to meditate for this certain amount of time, and we're going to try to drop your crime crime rate. Well, um, they said okay, and these people meditated and did whatever it was they were supposed to do, and not on, they not only dropped the crime rate twenty percent. But the crime rate uh, that time of year should have been elevated 30%. So in total, they dropped the crime rate 50%. And they've done these experiments over and over and over again. And it works almost every time. So that being said, what I found out through my experiences is humans don't really know who they are. Yeah. They don't understand the Our potential gift they have. Yeah. That's a, I had a conversation with David Sarita a few weeks ago, and we, we agreed that the biggest conspiracy of all is the conspiracy to keep the secrets of our potential. We're told that we can't do this or we can't do that. And when we accomplish something so important, we think, how in the world were we able to do it? It's because we are made to believe that it's difficult or impossible. And I think that's what happened. That's happening to you. It was uh, Dr. Leo Sprinkle, I believe, that conducted your five regressions. Am I correct? Yes, yes. And do you think that some kind of, uh, and I hate to use the word entity, because it has some kind of a a, 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 a paranormal uh, tone to it. But do you think somebody else was using your body to communicate this knowledge? Oh, ab- absolutely. And that's the only way to explain it. And that's where the Ryan regressions come comes in. It's a transcript of these regressions. Mm-hmm. Um, Toward the end of my hypnotic regression experience, um, the first hypnosis uh, hypnotherapist I went to was a person named Deborah Lindemann um, locally, very, very qualified hypnotic regressionist. Um, I was concerned that, you know, this, you know, you hear about people leading you and it's easy to lead somebody under hypnotic regression. Well, we, we found somebody that was very qualified, didn't lead me in any any way, shape or form, 
But it was the, the last regression that I had with her that something bizarre happened. I started acting weird. And in fact, most of my regressions, I remember everything. It's not like they put you to sleep or anything. It's just like you're in a, you know, kind of a really deep daydream. Mm-hmm. Except for this, this last time toward the end of the regression, I thought I fell asleep because I woke up. It's like, wow, I must have fallen asleep. And everybody's just looking at me totally confused. And my mannerisms had changed. My, my voice had changed. My tone had changed. And it scared Deborah so bad, she took me out of the regression right away. Well, we kind of were a little bit fascinated by it, and we were introduced to Dr. Leo Sprinkle, and we told him about it. He said, well, you know, anytime you want to do a, a, a session with me, just let me know. So we set one up. We had, as as in as it is with uh, all my hypnotic regression sessions, we videotape everything. We had, you know, scientists there and camera crews there and all that other stuff. And um, this time, he let it happen, and what came out was absolutely stunning. And I can tell you, um, people who know me know that I'm not that smart when it comes to stuff that was being talked about at this regression. My mannerisms changed. My my voice changed. I was able to perceive people through shut eyes. They've got that on video camera. I was able to write things down with my head turned as if, you know, people that do automatic, if you've ever heard of automatic writing, and this was really happening in front of all these people. And by now, there must have been, there must be at least 12 sessions. And we call it the Orion regressions. I mean, this thing uh, explained how the moon was formed. It talks about all kinds of theories and, you know, and uh, it's just amazing. It really is amazing. So it's almost definitely with somebody else that took over your body. You know, it is, and it took me so long to accept that this was really happening. First of all, I had a hard time, you know, before this all started, I had a hard time believing in UFOs. In fact, I was mean to people who said they believed in UFOs or ghosts. <laughs> and then after I got used to that, then I, you know, started having to kind of come to terms with this weird hypnotic thing that was happening. And in fact, it took quite a few years of constant badgering by my friends and my wife to finally admit this was going on and tell people about it. And the only reason we decided to do that was because the messages coming from whatever this thing is was so important, you know, I couldn't not put it out there. So that's why, you know, we put the transcripts in the Orion Regressions book. See, could it be somebody else taking over or could it be one of those past lives and you have when you're being regressed, you have full recollection and you can answer basically any question. And, you know, I thought, I honestly thought I was having some kind of psychotic episode, like maybe I had dual personalities or something, but no, um, I, there's a person named Dr. Stanislav Ojak. Mm-hmm. He um, is a very accomplished, uh, he's got a doctorate in psychology, designed, you know, programs for the military to diffuse things. You know, I've gotten full battery of tests to make sure I'm not out of my, my gourd. And when you talk to this thing, it's right there. Not only does it do bizarre things, it actually reads people's mind. We have this on videotape. This thing will answer questions before they, the people in the room have a chance to ask it. And there was an incident where uh, we were at a friend's house when we were doing these regressions, and the phone rang, and this 
thing, whatever it is, pops up, looks around as if trying to figure out what the noise was. And you could see Dr. Leo Sprinkle explaining that's a phone and that's how we communicate. And this thing holds up his hand and stops the phone in mid-ring and looks at the person whose house we were at and says, I apologize, I may have damaged your device. And she gets up to go find the phones and the phones are gone. They're, they're vanished. When you say this Eventually, thing, what do you mean? When you say this thing, notice the phone, who, who or what do you mean? Well, whatever it is, I guess I you might as well say the thing in me. Okay. I don't, you know, I don't, I feel uncomfortable really talking about this, to be honest with you. But That's okay. Um, on the video, you see me, you know, pop my head up and my eyes are closed and I hold my hand up or it holds its hand up and the phone stopped ringing. And, you know, this person, the house that we were staying at, she gets up along with my wife and along with some other people and they go try to find the phone. She comes back down. She goes, the phones are gone. So she comes back down and they try to find the phones and the phones had somehow went from one room all the way through three walls and ended up in a closet on the other side of the house. And they just <laughs> dematerialized from one place and appear somewhere else, you mean? Absolutely. And it's all, you know, all this was captured. It was all captured. Can you give us some highlights of, of what this, does that person or entity have a name? Um, we call it Grandpa's. Grandpa. Grandpa. Um, there was some video I took of something looking at me through sliding glass door and not the ET in the window. This is other video that people are find, will find out about soon. And he said we can call it Grandpa. Grandpa and because of the elderly quality of knowledge, you mean? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. It kind of had wrinkles and looked old and whatever. And we found out that it's not just one one thing. It's um, almost like a council. It's almost like a group of things that come through somehow or something. And it's done with technology, apparently. And uh, where do they... And they can't continue using earthly terms. Where do they reside or where where are they? Well, from what I understand, my experiences, they don't really kind of give you too much. But um, during my first experience, I was informed that there's six light years on the other side of El Natak, which is one of the stars in the Orion Belt constellation. And they have a really good view of the Horsehead Nebula. That's why it's called the Orion Regression, because of this? Yes. Okay. Well, because, you know, it happens to be, they call, we call them Orions. There are different types of Orions. There are bad Orions. There are true Orions. There are all kinds of things out there. Mm -hmm. And so, for lack of a better description, I just called it the Orion Regressions. Right. And how do they traverse six light years to where we are? Well, what's interesting, what we found interesting is we asked them, you know, who they are and what they are, and they said um, they are studying us, basically, that they aren't the ones that made us. The ones that made us are as as advanced to them as they are to us. And I think it was Dr. Claude Swanson or Dr. Lewis Sprinkle, one of them asked them, so if you were to put a, you know, a, a gauge on it, what percent are you? And they said, oh, we're only 30% advanced compared to what's out there. So that makes us like, what, maybe five <laughs> or 10. And what is the rest? 
rest is all the way up to 100. Hmm. From 1 to 100. I've always had this suspicion that whoever built the pyramids may have something to do with with us. And you probably know of the Orion mystery, which, you know, if you take the pyramids, you see sure. that it matches the Orion constellation. And now you're bringing this information out as well. What else are they telling you? Have they talked to you about the future, about our past? Um, from what I understand, um, and this goes back to my book, Answers, humans have this amazing ability to change quantum reality naturally. This being said, um, and, and I, I really am getting to a point here, um, you know, when it's one-on-one, -on -one, your uh, understanding of reality may be different from mine. It doesn't work that good. But when you get a whole bunch of people together, that's really when the magic happens. Mm. Now, um, they are, are studying this because there's some stuff out there. We seem to have a direct connect to source or direct connect to God that some of these beings are really fascinated by. And... Um, some of these other beings, and it might not even be beings, it might just be the wealthy elite, understand this ability, and they've understood it for, you know, a few thousand years. So what they do is they keep humans in fear, and because what we believe we can manifest, we are con we control ourselves, basically. It's kind of like a vicious cycle. So by yeah. keeping us in fear, we believe that we're in fear, and we perpetuate That's right. what we believe. Um, and these things are here to try to, at least the things I'm involved in, seem to be here to try to s study us and kind of set things straight because we've been guided incorrectly for a very long time. And um, we have the right, number one, to sovereignty, but um, we also have the right not to be messed with because it's natural ev evolution. You know, they want to see what happens to us naturally. Trouble is, we've been messed with so many times by, you know, these beings that we're, we're, you know, something, we've become something else. We're almost like royalty from what I understand. And you've heard other, I've heard other people talk about this. Um, Lynn Buchanan, I think, talks about this. There's a few different people that have talked about this. Also. If we have the right to be sovereign, that means that they allegedly respect our free will. If that's the case, then why are involuntary abductions occurring? Because there's different things out there with different agendas. There mm. are things out there that don't respect us. The good guys seem to. You know, and, and there's always that argument, so why are they taking us against our will? And they always say, well, you take, you know, wild animals against their will to make sure they're okay. You know, they tag them and study right. them and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, is that any different? You know, it is upsetting because it's happening to us. That's right, and most people we, we're so we're so arrogant that we we tag animals, we experiment experiment with animals. But if we are told by the whoever we we wouldn't trust the elite, they told us this. But if we are told, look, humans are nothing but lab rats to us. We are testing you for your own benefit, but we treat you like cattle. And we keep you in this prison planet without allowing you to leave until you evolve. If we're told that, how do you think we'll react? I think, I think you know, we'll be concerned about it for sure. But you got to understand, again, there's multiple things out there with multiple agendas. There are things that really want us to reach 
um, our, our, our purpose in this universe. There's things that want us to become part of the, the neighborhood. And no, they will not let us out until we've, we grow up because mm-hmm. we're too dangerous. They don't want us out in the universe with all these massive weapons. But here's the kicker. Here's, here's what I understand. We want sovereignty. We have to do it ourselves. If we start asking for help from the guys upstairs, then we've lost. Then we're indebted to them. So it's better if we try to do this ourselves. Yes, we are being controlled, and they are trying to even out the playing field. And, you know, everybody knows the wealthy elite, they have all the technology, all the back-engineered stuff, but the guys, the good guys upstairs understand this. I don't know if you've noticed, things are changing. I mean, they really are, not necessarily for the worst. I don't believe in this 2012 doomsday scenario. Mm-hmm. If you talk to the Aztec uh, or the Mayan elders, uh, not Aztec, Mayan elders today, they think white people are crazy. It's just one New Age guy started this stuff a long time ago. Right. And he was actually, I mean, if you go on his, if you went on his website, you'd see he wasn't, he didn't even have an Aztec uh, uh, Mayan calendar. He was using a picture of a, uh, um Aztec sundial. Oh, you're right. It's the Aztec calendar. It's not the Mayan calendar. It's the Aztec calendar. And so then, um, you know, then if you do any kind of research like I did, it's like, oh, my God, that's going to be the end of the world. Then you find out that the Mayans, Aztec, whatever you want to call them, the Mayans, it was the Mayan calendar. Um, they were using a calendar, uh, Meso, pre-Mesoamerican culture mm-hmm. um, that invented this calendar, and they were using their calendar. And it's not accurate, not even within 100 years. It's that inaccurate. And so what does that say? That says that, you know, it says a lot. It says we should not go by things like that. But you have all these people that jumped on the bandwagon, and I can tell you something is going to happen. Definitely something is going to happen. It's going to happen because we have this amazing ability to change quantum reality naturally. So what we believe we manifest. Because all these people are believing something's going to happen, they better watch out because they're going to make it come true. So, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but, you know, all these sci-fi, science fiction movies and stuff that people watched from, you know, the 20s, 30s, all that stuff has come true. Why is that? Again, because we have this amazing ability to change quantum reality naturally. Is it that, I mean, you go back to to hundreds of years ago with Jules Verne. He was talking about submarines and rockets and all that. And what do we have now? We have submarines and rockets. But why do we have to expect, always expect, an exterior force to always come here to fix our mess? Because we can't. I mean, it's just, honestly, it's society. It's ingrained into us for thousands of years because of control. Mm -hmm. Um, You know... There's all these things put into place, certain religions, you know, all this stuff is, it's about control. Control. You know, the wealthy elite, the whoever they are, be them non-human, human, and I can't tell you for sure. It's all about control. But guess what? We're going to, things are changing. And, you know, when the truth is known, it's going to set everybody free. And that's what's happening right now. People are getting sick of the government, sick of the wealthy elite telling us that what we're seeing in the skies is not real. When we have, we've seen them with our own eyes and we have video and, 
you know, there's a lot of people out there that are still, you know, still ignoring the fact that this is real and saying that, oh, you know, I don't believe it. That That's just out of fear, you know. People don't want their version of reality changed. And this is definitely a reality changer. But, you know, there's things trying to help us. There really are things trying to help us. And that's why I continue doing what I do, even though, you know, you go on the Internet, there are very mean people that say I'm faking it. I'm doing it all for money, even though, you know, we almost lost our house because I'm not doing it all for money. And, you know, even though I've been beat up and shot at twice and I get threats at least once a week, I keep doing this because it's about, number one, it's about the evolution of man, but it's also about the survival of mankind. And also the question is, you say that there are good, there's good and there's bad. I, I subscribe to that point of view. I see there's one camp in the UFO circuit saying they're all ETs are benevolent. And there's another one that says they're all malevolent. And if we take planet Earth as, as an example, as a microcosm, I think the same applies to the universe. It's going to be people. Exactly. If we go to another planet because we're dying here and we need the resources, I don't think we'll think twice of going out there and doing what we have to do to survive. Now, how many planets are out there? Billions or trillions? So if there's one or two or three of these races coming here because they need something for their survival, of course, we're going to think they're malevolent. But it's all about perspective. The question is, how do we discern who's, who has our best interests? And how do we discern who really means what they say? See, that's why we have to do it ourselves. That's exactly the reason we have to grow up and we have to do it ourselves. We can't rely on anybody because we aren't sophisticated enough at this point to figure out, you know, these beings are way smarter than we are. They're way more sophisticated than we are. And we don't have the ability to kind of figure it out yet because they are so much more advanced. So the best thing to do is, and the good guys know this, that's how you can really tell who the good guys are because they, they have rules, they can't get involved, they can guide, but they can't get involved. The bad guys will, sure, they will, they'll make deals with you like they did with the government to get, you know, here, we'll give you some, some very lame technology you guys will think are, is great, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, the aborigines thought pots and pans were absolutely miracles. Right. And and these guys are just laughing at us because we're giving them everything and all we get are pots and pans. And it's the same. We go back to the conquistadors times and uh, we thought they were gods and we trusted exactly. them. And guess what happened to the less advanced civilization? They were absorbed into the new one. So we had to be very careful. But on the, in the book uh, Answers, I just want to go back to a couple of uh, your presentations that I saw in the last couple of years. There was one, and this may sound funny to some people, but you were taken and you came back wearing the pajamas that belonged to Betty Hill. Am I right? Well, that is still out for debate. Um, we want to get it tested because there's DNA evidence on it. Mm -hmm. And here's how we figured this might be. Now, if you talk to, you know, everybody's saying, no, no, it can't be, it can't be. Um, only because um, Stanton Friedman kind of got involved and he doesn't really like uh, the alien abduction stuff. So he kind of conned uh, Betty Hill's niece to kind of step away from it. But I'm not sure, and I'll tell you why. We, I was taken, 
I came back in a woman's nightgown, and this thing barely fit me. And I woke up my wife, and she's laughing hysterically, and, <laughs> you know, because I just look yes. silly. And I'm sitting there bawling like a baby in this woman's nightgown, and yeah. she literally had to peel it off of me. It was on me so tight. And on the back was this wet spot. Now, when this was sent to the scientists, they found um, a blood plasma expander, something that resembles a blood plasma expander that we use for in vitro fertilization. Also mm. in it was a protein that they can't identify even to this day. Well, that being said, we went to a conference and we were approached by Betty Hill's niece. And she goes, you know, Stan... Um, you don't know me, and she introduced herself, and she goes, I want to ask you a question. She goes, in 2003, um, my my aunt was taken right before she died. She was really upset because she ended up missing her favorite nightgown. And I said, okay. I thought that was weird because I came back with a nightgown. And she didn't really know much about the nightgown. She just heard I came back with the nightgown. She goes, by any chance, um, you know, um, I'm wondering if there might be a connection here. And I said, okay, well, what does the nightgown look like? She goes, well, it was a red plaid nightgown with a Disney character on the lapel. Right. It's like, holy, holy crap. That's exactly what I came back with. So we actually went out. And you can see in one of the talks we did, we both came out with this and um, she, she's now saying, no, it couldn't really be, even though, um, I still think there's probably a connection and we'll find out if I can ever have the DNA test done. And so, you know, it's just one of those things. How did this happen? Interestingly enough, um, now this is a tr honest to God, true story. I went to bed with the shirt that I got from my best friend. He had it specially made and gave it to me during my bachelor party before I got married. And on it, it said, I've been abducted by aliens and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Hmm. I wore that to bed that night and came back in this woman's nightgown. That shirt ended up missing. Interestingly enough, uh, Betty Hill's niece came up to us and said, you know, I remember she had a shirt like that draped across one of her chairs and for the life of her she couldn't remember where she got it from no kidding she thought she might have got it from you know one of the conferences she did well interestingly enough this shirt was specially made and had some characteristics on it that you can't get anywhere she described it to a t does she still have possession um does she still have the what the, the shirt the shirt she no, possession of the shirt when she died they put it they grabbed everything and took it to Goodwill. Oh, I see. Now, that, that was a great story. And also, you had some footage of balls of light. That was not a recreation of, of what you said. Those, those were the videos, am I correct? Yes, and not only that, I'll tell you, the balls of light, I mean, that happens a lot. Flashes of light, balls of light, UFOs happens a lot. And people need to understand what makes my case so different is the fact that most of this stuff only happens when a lot of people are around. Recently, I had um, National Geographics here along with a uh, uh, company called Edit International, which, you know, they've written for Time Life magazine and for all these other magazines. And they were one was doing a story on me uh, to write in some magazines and, you know, National Geographic was doing, taping me for their show. 
while they were here, they had all kinds of stuff happen. They videotaped balls. They saw the balls of light, flashes of light. Um, their thermal camera picked up something walking in front of us, even though we couldn't see it. Uh, and, you know, the guy from Edit International, <laughs> you know, took pictures of these balls of light in our trees. And actually, when we dropped him off, and as he was flying home, he videotaped a UFO following his plane. Following his plane. Yes. Now, this is this just... Is stuff that happens all the time. I mean, it happened to, you know, the people from 2020 primetime to Good Morning America. Um, I remember we had a, a radio talk show guy that just was really mean and said I was lying and I was full of baloney and, you know, I was doing it for money. So we invited him to the house. And he had his own experience, and he was so freaked out by it and so impressed by it that he's now one of our biggest supporters. Now, this is this is what I call a convert. But people who say that, people, you have to understand, this because, because somebody is a best-selling author. They have to really work hard, folks. It's, it's almost a full-time job. And oh, yeah. You know, it's not like you're you're making 100% profit from every book. So I support what you're doing, uh, Stan. I think that uh, this is one of the most fascinating stories. But we have to take our one and only intermission. Tell us once again, how do people get in touch with your work, the new books? And when we come back, I want to talk about Lisa's work as well. Well, you can get my books anywhere online, or you can go, go to stanromanek.com, and you can uh, email me at stan at stanromanek.com of course because you're all emails all, all gmail we all know you sent me an article this morning that I've read a few months ago there in bed with the NSA and uh, you've been hacked too many times so when we get back folks we're going to discuss so much more of this one of the most fascinating story you can ever hear about abduction this is Mel Fabregas and I'm here with Stan Romanek you're listening to Veritas Radio don't go anywhere Thank you very much for listening. We'll continue this interview with our special guest in our members section. If you're not a member, just go to our website, veritasradio.com, and click on the subscribe link to listen to the rest. We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and I'll see you in the member section. Enjoy.
and you're listening to The Veritas Show.